0: Bandwidth for Cloth Talk is provided by the Scout History Project. Visit us at scouthistory.net. Cloth Talk, (laughs) pre-NOAC. Well, welcome to Cloth Talk. I'm Tom Hall, and online with me is Ben Killen. Ben, how's it going?
1: Hey, it's going pretty good uh, up here in the Big Apple. Uh, I've recently just started doing it. Like I, I got a promotion in my job, so uh, maybe maybe they're uh, they're recognizing my diverse talents as you know a Cloth Talk host. And I don't know. I'm I'm making that up, but things are going good. I like it here. I'm, I'm I'll tell you. I'm ready for this NOAC. We've got a lot of big things. Uh, plan. So if you're out there and you're going to NOAC, you better be looking for us because you'll probably see us there.
0: Absolutely, and this is a great show. We've we actually uh finally uh stopped in his tracks long enough Chris Jensen uh, from Streamwood Inc. and Streamwood.com or dot net excuse me, www.streamwood.net Stopped him long enough to tell us a little about about what he's got planned for the pre-NOAC tradere, the big monster pre-NOAC tradere. And that's what's coming up today. A couple of things, Ben, I want to uh, get right up front before we talk to Chris, though. Coming up at NOAC, everybody knows the best training on the face of the earth for the order of the air happens at NOAC. And Ben and uh, myself and Matt Sheets and Travis Tarbox are teaching a class and probably a couple others that I'm leaving out are teaching a uh, a class that is uh... number 446 sign up for it it's called lodge shows and in there you're going to learn uh, how to do a podcast you're going to learn how to make a video you're going to how uh, you're going to learn how to uh make a slideshow using tools you already own and um actually it's divided up into three different parts um I think the first part's called action, the middle part's... Uh, I forget. But anyway, there's three different parts, and it runs for all three days. There's also... Ben is doing a lab where we're actually going to produce a show during NOAC. And hopefully we'll... We're not sure of the outlet for that show, but hopefully we'll have a good outlet for that show. And But it, it's guaranteed to be a great class number of 446. Class number of 446, Ben and Travis Tarbox and myself... And maybe a couple of others will be teaching this and Matt Sheets. And it will be a great, great course, I guarantee it.
1: If you're coming to NOAC, be sure to keep an eye out for us. Uh, You'll definitely be seeing us around at the Tradery. We're going to try to record, uh, do a live recording of an episode there. So if you're at the Tradery, stop by our table there. We'll have a big cloth talk sign there and you'll recognize everything but uh, stop by shake our hand and uh, we might even get you to uh, talk for us on microphone and maybe use it in a future uh, podcast also at the event um, we are going to be meeting every day uh, right after lunch at Beaners Coffees which is in the MSU Union building and that's on the north side of campus and uh we're going to have a cup of coffee just be hanging out if you want to come by and stop by and say hello there certainly do that we'll be in our cloth talk neckerchiefs there so look for us um other than that uh we're going to be milling around at the Founders Fair and various times throughout the event and if you do see us come up and see if you can tell us mine and Tim's home lodge or where we both live and uh while supplies last, we'll give you a special Cloth Talk gift. So if you are privy to that information, you should you should definitely look for us and maybe get something special in return. But other than that, I uh, hope to see you at NOAC. Let's uh, let's make this NOAC the best one yet. Kusa, New York City in Florence, Alabama.
0: Don't forget you can always write us at clothtalk at cloth com. That's a great place to get in touch with the whole gang here at Cloth Talk. And, uh, please drop us a note. If you've got a question, you've got a question on a patch. If you've got a patch, if you've got a story you would like to tell, please send us a note, cloth talk at cloth talk.com. And we'll be glad to get back and follow through with you or talk to you and uh, see what we can get going, what we can find out for you. Cloth talk at cloth talk.com.
1: Be sure to jump up online at clothtalk.com or you can go to scouthistory.net and click on the left side which is for our wiki which is a collaborative database that every single member of the scouting community can sign in and edit if you want to go in there and create a page just for your troop and all the neckerchiefs that your troop has ever worn you can do that if you want to go in there and create a user page for yourself and say I collect patches this is what I collect and these are my needs, and these are what I have for you. you. can do that, too. So jump up online, scouthistory.net, click on the left side, and you can go to the Scout History Wiki and write your own part of the history of Scouting <laughs>
0: With us online is uh, Streamwood.net's own uh, Chris Jensen. Uh, Chris has, uh, in the last uh, several years, sponsored uh, 27 traderees since 1990 and probably attends 18 to 15 uh, per year since ninety-two. And, uh, Chris, I know this is a busy time for you. Thank you very much for taking your time to uh, meet with us here on Cloth Talk. Uh, Ben's here with us, too. And, and how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing fine. Doing fine uh.
2: It's hot here, but I'm sorting patches and air conditioning.
0: (laughs) That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Tell us about the uh, tradery coming up uh, for this NOAC in Lansing.
2: The Lansing tradery has come along. It's um, every two years we put on a... um, A national ordinary conference, like pre-traderies, so people coming to the conference can come in a day or two or three early and uh, get some patch trading out of their system before they have to go sit in the classroom and do things with the boys and (laughs) uh, be a volunteer scouter. Um, We've ran them. See, I ran the one in '98, uh, 2000, 2002, and assisted uh, the International Scout Collectors Association with running the 2004 tradery, and now I'm back to doing them again. So 2006, here we go in Lansing.
0: All right. um, If everyone wants to, they can visit uh, www.streamwood.net and uh, take a look at uh, this this site that he's got here and uh, some of the uh, auction preview. I tell you, Chris, I was impressed with what you've got uh, auctioned, and this, I believe, is Tuesday night uh, the 25th, right?
2: Right, right. Um, We're going to be previewing the items at 7 p.m. at the Radisson Hotel, and uh, the auction starts at 8. And the Radisson Hotel is actually physically connected to the Lansing Center where the Traderie is, so you could walk in your stocking feet from one to the other and never leave air conditioning. It's a premier auction that we, we try to pick out items worth $100 or more and items that we know... Our price right, so we're not going to waste people's time. If we're going to do an auction, let's have all the stuff sells. You know, there's no buyer's premiums. There's no fancy-talking auctioneer, but he's a professional auctioneer, but none of that jabber. You know, you can actually listen to him and understand him. And he's a, he's a you know, volunteer scouter and knows his patches and his memorabilia, so he's able to say with a little bit of authority, this is a good piece. It's time to start bidding. Well, I look really
0: forward to that, and uh, I hope uh, I'll be arriving on Tuesday, so maybe I'll get there in enough time to see that.
2: Good. Good. We'll have fun. We'll probably do that 139 items in about an hour and a half as they move right along. We have people mailing in bids, you know, faxing in bids, phoning them in, and then we have people there bidding live, but it'll actually be closed live so that, you know, if you're in the room, you'll have a chance to keep holding your hand up.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I I was looking. I have to admit, I I took some time on the website and looked at some of those pieces. Some of that stuff really, uh, like Tim said, is really nice stuff. And and uh, I'm actually I'm not going to make it in town quite in time for that. But I didn't realize that you could you could bid remotely. So uh, (coughs) is the is the information on that? Is that available on the website or
2: yes. You can click and send me an email saying, Well, you know, I'll pay a hundred which is the opening bid, but if I need to bid for me up to two and a quarter or something like that, you know, you can give me directions. Or you can just ask me um for the names of some of the people who'll be in the room and you'll say, Oh yeah, I know Bill. I'll have him built I'll have him bid for me. Okay. So you don't have to divulge to me what your, you know, true bid is. And we got something for everybody. We got you know, yeah, we have some nice O A pieces and you know, really nice first flaps and nice early 50s era, you know, or the arrow pieces. But we've also got world jamboree. we got nice old insignia of all kinds. But, I mean, we even got a Boy Scout plow for World War One. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's something there for about everybody. If we only had OA, some guys would just kind of fall asleep or not come to the auction at all. And um, it'll be ran... Um, professionally and we truly do expect all the items to sell. We've got bids now on probably two thirds of the items. So it'll be it will be fun. Yeah,
1: that that's really cool. Um I'm I'm excited too. I, I have to say I've been to uh just briefly to one of the uh one of your big treasureies before the NOAC. I believe it was the uh one I guess gosh that's been maybe six years ago in Iowa. Not this most recent time we were in Ames 58? Yeah, I think so. I think so. 98 uh, names, yes. But that I was I was a youth still at the time technically in the OA and we just kind of walked in there uh and I was just like wide-eyed or like I don't know like it, it reminds me of the first time I ever walked into a casino because it's just like so much to look at and so much to see. <laughs>
2: Uh, like patch overload
1: it is it really is what would you say to maybe the person that has never really been to a tradey or thinks maybe oh i wouldn 't know what to do uh, you know if I walked into this big huge tradey because I don't, i don 't know to me it seems like this is probably one of the premier traderies uh, that that happens every two years would you i mean would you agree
2: yeah, it is the national o a conference traderies have always been the biggest. And I've always set new records for the most number of people most number of traders you know most number of dollars in a live auction just because you got people from most every state but for the new trader coming in or let's say a whole lot contingent comes in you got a bunch of kids 15 to 18 19 years old um, keep your keep your wallet in your pocket okay <laughs> Bring your little handful of patches and trade one for one but Realistically, just go through and view it first. It, right now, we've got about 285 tables reserved for this event. If you just walk 285 8-foot tables, that's more than a half a mile. Just go take a look. Get a feel for, well, gee, one guy's got that patch for 5 bucks. one guy's got it for 10 By the time you get done with the room, you realize who's who's got it cheapest or who might want to trade instead of just selling a thing. Um, you know, just get a feel for that and just just talk. I mean, these guys won't bite, you know, they're they're scouts and um, there's probably not more than one or two people in the room that are just, like, say, an antique deal or something almost everybody in there is a long-time scouter, so um, I don't normally have to worry too much about thievery, I don't normally have to worry too much about security or somebody just making a good honest, straightforward deal
1: with boy. yeah that's that's really cool and it's not that's i mean that's always one of the things that i've appreciated about the patch collecting sort of hobby and and following is because everyone for the most part they they would have never found patch trading and patch collecting of scouts if they hadn't been a scout and so there is that sort of scout oath and law that that just kind of goes hand in hand with the with the hobby so it's really it's really nice because of that definitely
2: as a kid i was I went to the 69 National Chamboree and really discovered patch collecting there, but I had traded you know, locally a little bit, but it's hard to picture all this if somebody knows me, but I was really kind of shy. I had a hard time going up and meeting somebody and just saying hi, but if you just went up to somebody and said, I want to trade patches, you got such and such on your shirt. Do you have another one of those? That was easy to do. That was a good excuse to go meet somebody you wouldn't otherwise talk to at a jamboree. And part of the purpose of a jamboree or a national conference is to meet kids and talk with them, either have other opinions or from someplace else. And patch trading was kind of an easy way to say, want treat patches? And just kind of barge into a group of kids who all sort of knew each other. But if you were at any other event, you probably would never have met them or never had the opportunity to understand anything of, like, why they were there, what were they doing, you know, their names. You know, yeah, the Boy Scouts promoted at a jamboree, you they'll know, have a wide game, or you go out and you introduce yourself to other people and you, you know, do your thing together. But patch trading was, like, constant and all day. And it was on your own pace. And it was it just, I don't know. But then I ended up with pen pals, Traded patches for the years through the mail, through the old trader's organization. And uh, then that morphed into several other uh, collecting organizations. Now it's pretty organized. Back then it was just, you know, mimeographed newsletter once a month or once a quarter. And um, you traded 50-cent uh, OA flaps with 5-cent stamps on the envelopes. Ah, oh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: So how have things changed on the trader re-side of the house uh, since you've been involved, since the 70s?
2: Um, the first trader I went to, I think, was 70 or 71. It was called the Golden Eagle Tradery, and it was in um, Valparaiso, Indiana, and they would rent like an armory after you know, like 5 o'clock on Friday until afterno- late afternoon on Saturday, and they'd just like, rent it, you know, like, I don't know, $100 or something. They'd rent the whole place, and you'd trade badges until you were too tired. they say, well, at midnight, we're shutting the lights out. You know, and you just unroll your sleeping bag and sleep on the floor with an air mattress or something. And in the morning, you'd get up and somebody would bring in, you know, something for breakfast and then you start trading patches and then when you're all done, you go home. Oh, I mean, great. we didn't even have tables, you know. And we would just, you know, several of us in Lodge would all jump in some Suburban or something and go down there and trade patches all day long. And there was not a, there wasn't a dollar bill in sight. Everything was 100% trade and Everybody sort of sat on the floor and spread their stuff out on the gym floor. And um, there wasn't any of this collecting guidebooks as this and this is an issue number 9A or anything like that. It was just, that looks pretty. I think I'll have one of those. You want to trade that for this and you'd make a deal. Um, That was 1971. Then they had some organizations kind of working on traderies. By the late 70s, you had a couple of traderies in milwaukee and um and chicago illinois and uh they were starting to be sponsored by councils and they were using it as a oh, minor little fundraiser but it was just an event to do in the middle of winter when there was nothing else to do when the snow was blowing around and they'd get a bunch of people in would trade patches at the scout office have like you, you know, some utility room somewhere, you know, like you'd stick 50 people in, and we'd have the event by the 80s. It started to get organized, they started doing them at the National Jamborees, and they it started getting rolling as we kind of know a tradery now to be. But you know, tables are five or ten dollars, and it was just kind of a hit or miss kind of event. Some were really good, some were worth driving across town for, but y'all you know, had fun. Um, now it's up to where there's probably thirty or thirty-five a year. Um, some of them are running tens of thousands of dollars for a budget, and they have high-dollar auctions. Um, we got all these collecting guidebooks. You know, we've got authorities that have spent you know their whole life on these things now and written books and oh god, you know, spent you know tens of thousands or millions of dollars on collections. And we got eBay, and we got, you know, opportunities that we just wouldn't have guessed in the 70s. I mean, I worked for a computer company and tried doing a list with 80-column cards, and that was a pain, you know, yeah. <laughs> to track my collection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, things change, and technology has really helped, you know. To notify 6,000 people, I can, I can hit a couple of buttons on my computer and send out 6,000 emails, with pictures and you know an invitation to say come see us you know that wouldn't have happened even in the middle '90s. It was hard to pull it off in 1995 or six. I had the first website in 1995 for scout things that I know of, and um, that was that was pretty you know pretty cool stuff. It was back before you know you know a PC had a. Um, for the
1: most. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I was wondering about is you spoke a little bit about sort of the way traitories have changed over the years. What are some of, like, the, I don't know how would be the best way to ask the question, like, some of the, like, Greatest pieces that you've ever seen, like for trade at a tradery, or some of the like the like moments at traderies or uh, trades that you witnessed that really have sort of stood out over over the many years of, of traderies and things like that for you.
2: Um, I remember walking into the Philadelphia tradery in about 1990 or so, and a guy walked in who had apparently helped clean out Schiff Scout Reservation when they were closing that down. And he had original oil paintings of Boy's Life magazine covers from the 20s and 30s. Wow. Going, where in the world did you get these? They're going, he said, I got them out of the Schiff Scout Reservation dumpster. I'm going, you're kidding. (laughs) And I bought all that I could afford, but I wished I had had more money. You know, there's stuff like that that just shows up at some trade-a-rees. Um There was um, some traderies that used to be held um, in the Midwest. Just amazing stuff would show up. Um, even a couple years ago at a traderee in Midlothian, Illinois, um, Soup Delamano and Jim Sherrods run them. This guy walked in, and he had gotten the entire archives. And like multiple filing cabinets full of stuff from a regional, uh, Region 7 executive who was now in a nursing home, but it just sold him the stuff. I and mean, he had all his faculties about him, and, um, they just wanted to clean out the house so they could sell it. And this antique dealer kept coming back and coming back with van load after van load of just classic great stuff, not necessarily all patches, but if you wanted to know the history of Region 7, he had it all. It's like when they went from Region 7 to East Central Region, somebody said, get these cabinets out of here, and he took them home. And, I mean, I was a collector of Region 7 and East Central Region stuff, but I couldn't carry it all. I I, I bought as much as I could put in my truck. Wow. And you, know, and you just kind of go, wow, wow, I mean, this was a one-time opportunity. Yeah, I spent some money, but it was almost amazing how nobody decided to be a little bit of an historian at a regional office and decided to keep someone. They apparently said, you know, we've only got so many room, so much room for so many cabinets of stuff. Sorry, get rid of it. And, you know, that happens. You know, granted, you have to go to a number of traderees, and it happens on smaller scales, but it does happen, and you know eBay isn't everything. I mean, it's tough to sell certain things on eBay if you can't describe it, or it's a lot of it, or somebody just says, "Well, all the money is going to the Boy Scouts, so we're not going to put it on eBay and give them fees. We'll just bring it to the trainery." And um, there's always somebody I hate to say it, but there's always somebody dying. There's always somebody deciding, "Well, I don't want to collect that anymore. I'm going to collect something else." So there's a constant turnover. It just seems to be getting faster now. Um, you have more opportunities to move larger collections and or you know, eBay, you know, so the local antique dealer can put up a couple of voice code items they don't know much about, type in a couple of keywords, take a picture, hit send, and now the whole world knows you got you know, you got a certain item for sale. Um, so it's not such a problem anymore. Traderies have always been a problem in that they're usually Friday night or Saturday, and people just can't travel that much to go to these things. I've been fortunate to be self-employed, so I can go to 15 or 18 traderies a year for 15 years or more, and I've done quite a few even back into the 70s, but not many people can do that. Normally, the average collector goes to a couple a year.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I'm sure that the, over the years there have been so many trades and and special pieces that you've seen that it just uh, it's too many to even try to recall. I'm sure, but but uh, I know that I'm definitely looking forward to this. I don't know, maybe it's the Super Bowl of traderies uh, before nolac this year. I'm really looking forward to that, and we're gonna have a a, a table set up there, and we're gonna try to record a live. Uh, do a live recording of an episode at the Traderies. So we've never tried that before. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll go well. But we are very excited and uh, definitely um, glad that you you came on the show today. I know, as Tim said before, you this is probably the busiest time of your uh, two year cycle, probably, but uh, certainly appreciate you coming on. Um,
2: I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. The, the tradery, you know, will run from 8 in the morning until midnight. So if you're a night owl or you're a morning person or your flight comes in late in the day or something or your bus comes in late, stop over anyway. Um, not many of the dealers will be there or the people have tables uh, all those hours, but it, it just it just runs wide open. I, I can't explain it any other way other than pent-up, you know, excitement for two years, and now you get to let it all out for three eighteen-hour days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's just fun stuff.
1: So, is there is there a, like a prime time of the day when like the most people are there, or like a part of the like as the days progress? One day that's maybe better than the others. If people are trying to plan ahead well, as to when they might come,
2: the first day of the tradery actually, you know we we got dealers setting up from 8 a.m. until uh, 10 a.m. Then the public can come in at 10 a.m. and be there until midnight. As with any show, whether it's antiques, coin stamp, baseball cards, doesn't matter. A lot of people want to be there when it first opens. They're afraid they might have missed a great deal. Uh, so when it first opens, there'll be a surge to people. But then on Friday afternoon, when a lot of the contingents are arriving, so they can go do their and check in on Saturday morning or something at at Michigan State University, they'll be arriving Friday afternoons. So you'll have a second surge of people on Friday. But in all honesty, there is so much stuff going to be in that room. We're talking millions of items. There'll be little jewels sitting in a box that nobody noticed. After three days, and I'll walk by sometimes and go, where'd that come from? I want that. The guy goes. It's been here for three days. What do you mean you didn't see it? <laughs> and, it's, and it's true. There's just so much stuff, and you got more than a half a mile of tables, and then you got just rows of binders and rows of buckets of benches. There's going to be neat stuff, priced right, or willing to be traded at any time. It, it's just it's just the way it is. There's just there's just too much to see it all. So come anytime, and. Um, And even if you come after midnight, there's probably going to be some guys eating pizza in the lobby of the Radisson Hotel going, let's trade patches.
1: (laughs) I think you're. Final patch traders, I think you're right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they they will probably figure, I can sleep when I get home.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And this is uh, from July the 25th through the 28th. It's the Big Monster pre Act 2006 Traderie. It's at the Lansing Center. That's uh, 333 East Michigan Avenue in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, it's attached to the uh, Radisson Hotel. And for more information, everybody can go to www.streamwood.net. And he's got a whole page on everything you'd need to know about it, how to get there, where it is, the flyer, everything. So that's, uh, that's the best place to, uh, to find information about it. And uh, the big monster pre act 2006 traderee.
1: One question we always like to ask our guests when we bring them on the show, I'm sure you have seen a lot of patches in your day, uh, especially since you've made a business out of patch collecting and selling and and whatnot. But one thing we always want to know is, uh, it's a two-part question, what would be... Like the favorite or or one of the favorite pieces that you have in your collection uh one of one of the the greatest pieces uh and then the other would be uh, something or a patch uh that is not in your collection, but if you could add one thing to your collection, what would it be
2: favorite piece and the one thing I haven't got yet I'd like to add that that's a good one um my favorite item as in singular is hard to pick but I collect panoramic photographs of Boy Scout groups, and these are photographs taken by taken with a special camera, and it pans by and takes a picture three to four feet long, and it, the negative is about that big. So it's extremely accurate, extremely sharp, and focused from you know, like absolute left to absolute right. It'll it'll take a picture maybe you know, hundred and some odd degrees. And I've got about 65 of these things now from 1909 or 10 on up to fairly recent National Order Zero conferences. And I just like these photographs. Every time I get one to add to the collection, it's like you look in there and you can see individual scouts smiling and you can you can check the patch on their shirt. You can, you can realize that kid broke his leg, or, you know, this guy hasn't changed his shirt in four days, and he looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just so detailed, and, you know, the sad part about it is most of these people in the photograph are dead. Mm. Most of them, it's like you look at it, and you can, it's like you're being transported back in history just looking at this 1920s or 30s photograph. You know, some of the guys in there were probably in World War II. Some of them in there might have been World War One, and you, you look in there and you go, "Hmm, old Model A car out back, you know." And it just, you know, some things of, of scouting haven't changed. You know, the cars have, the styles have changed, the hats have changed, stuff like that. But the it, my little collection of sixty-five panoramic photographs is just fun. I've got them all in my office. They're all on the walls, and even though it's a quirky collection within scouting, that's kind of my favorite stuff. And every time I get a new one, it seems like that's my favorite one. Um, as far as an item that I don't yet have that I wished I could get, um, hmm, that's a tough one. My lodge, Lodge 185 at Akula Kula, made a patch back in the 1940s that was given out to the boys as a member back then, but they only maybe had 20 members. It was a little black and red triangle, so that had a Kula, Kula on it. And I live in this town. I've been here for 20-some-odd years, and I've never really been able to get one of those. I have everything from the lodge except that one patch. And, you know, it's almost sad if I do get it, I'll say I'm done. Half the <laughs> fun is the hunt. I've tracked them down, I've met a lot of nice people that were members long ago, but they never seem to have that patch I'm looking for. So I need one patch. And you know, so the, the first issue at a cool cooler triangle they call it. Um still has eluded me. The last one sold on eBay for seventy eight hundred dollars. <laughs> wow. And even if I found it, I'm not sure I want to pay the bill or not, <laughs> if I've bought it on eBay but when I first came here, people thought I was nuts. In 1989 or 90, I put an ad in the paper with a little picture of it saying, I'll pay $750 for this patch. Well, I'm still hunting it. <laughs> 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 I, I'm sure I won't get them for $750, but um, I'll pay a fair market, but it's done to be had. It's like one little loom run somewhere has disappeared. I don't know what happened to it, but one of these days I'll find it.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I have to admit, it it kind of makes me feel uh, a little bit better about the holes in my personal collection. To to know that someone that's been at it as as long and and hard as you have still has those one or two that that are that are still out there waiting to be found. So that makes me feel good.
2: Yeah, half the fun is in the hunts. When I get all of something, I didn't become like bored with it. <laughs> you know, I've actually sold some collections after I completed them. Because the fun is acquiring them and hunting them down and learning about all the stuff. And and then there's always some collections that are just you know, quirky and out of favor and cheap and you know, like I collect O ree patches. Any any Boy Scout activity that ends in the word O Scamp-O-Ree, scamp-o-ree Pioneer Oree, whatever, I just collect one per different name. So i got like 450 or so different different Oree names. And um, when I find them, they're 50 cents, maybe a dollar. And um, it just, it's just fun, you know, because it's fun acquiring, you know, just rooting through these big junk boxes full of cheap patches and finding that, you know, kink ori or a atomic bomb ori patch that you just picked on. Now, that's a little weird. But you buy it, and you put it in the collection.
0: Once again, I'd like to thank Chris Jensen for taking a few moments out of his busy day and preparing for this treatery to be with us uh, here at Cloth Talk, and that was just, uh, just great. He really goes, you get him going, I tell you, he'll talk about patches for some time.
1: That's <laughs> right, and he knows what he's talking about. He has been, I, I can't even imagine how many more patches he's seen than i have but uh it's really a great honor to have him on the show look forward to having all of you out there in the patch world on our show and if you want to come on just send us an email clothtalk at cloth talk.com um you know we'd love to have you you're, you're a big part of the scouting uh story as well so give us a call
0: and I'd like to thank Daniel Hodge. Daniel's going to be a guest on the show soon. And you know what? He's in Alaska right now. Daniel, thank you for your music. Uh, you, you help make the show here, as always. And uh, Chris Brightwell, as well. Chris uh, takes care of the data side of the house, the wiki, and the, uh, the uh, History, uh, .net, uh, net. Yeah, that's right, scotthistory.net right. site. And uh, we appreciate it. Well, Ben, when we see you again, it will be at
1: NOAC. That's right. I'm so excited. I've already bought my plane ticket. I've, uh, I've taken the days off of work. They're going to just have to do without me for, for the whole week because I'm going to Lansing, Michigan, and I'm going to go trade some patches and hang out with the coolest bunch of airmen in the world. So, you know, I'm excited.
0: Me too. I'm excited. And we'll talk to you, uh, everyone in the audience, After NOAA, once again, this is Cloth Talk documenting the history of scouting through collectibles.